0: To Totalis Ranchium. This week, Benjamin Harrison
1: Part 1. Hello, welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob, and this is episode 23.1, Benjamin Harrison. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: That's had a coup of excitement there. It's the ghosts of the past. Oh, come to speak. Yes. Nice. Ooh. What What do you know about Benjamin Harrison? Absolutely nothing. Well, I, well, no, one thing I do know. Yeah, yeah. He came after Grover Cleveland. He did. And, and, as uh, I was giving Soundguy the uh, the name to say, you, you recognise the name Harrison? Yes. Because, uh, the... The The, the Beatles. Beatles. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> William Harrison. William Harrison, yeah. Yeah. There's another one, wasn't there? No. Well, no. I mean there are other Harrisons in the world. Possibly. Yeah. Halfway? Oh yeah, yeah. Over halfway now Over halfway. because we've started this episode. It's exciting. We're on the road to the end. Yeah. Happy birthday for tomorrow or yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, it's my birthday yesterday, isn't it? It's my birthday yesterday. Oh time travel. <laughs> it's weird. It is right, anyway. At the end of the episode will us and all the listeners will sing yeah. a happy birthday to you. All together at the same time. Yes. I will look forward to that. Yeah. That'll be okay. good. All right, let's do the introduction. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Now you're too good at this now. Copper coloured in reference to the whiskey. <laughs> nice. Which we are enjoying a birthday whiskey. Yes. Um, is that it? Just copper coloured. Is that all I need to do? Uh copper that's been slightly tarnished, it's got sort of like um
0: because copper goes sort of like a, a, a turquoisey tarnish yeah, on it. Yeah. Okay, Rust. tarnished copper. Okay. Not all, not completely. Like, mainly copper with bits of... Ah, uh, just had the... No, no,
1: or... No, go for it. Open on tarnished copper. Ooh. It's dark, you can tell it's nighttime, And you're just looking at this, essentially, sheet metal tarnished copper. Okay. Um... And it's that you, you can see some flickering lights in the distance, but like reflecting off the sheet metal. But you're quite close to the sheet metal. There's cobbled floor. You're outside. It's dark. It's spitting a bit, not coming down buckets, but drizzle. And then slowly, you so you hear the sound of a wagon.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what wagons have you? Heard? I don't know. To... And what are they doing on that one? <laughs> <laughs> Fair question. Um, <laughs> I think like a squeaky wheel, but that's... right. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, and horses, horses as well. Clip clop, clip clop, clip clop.
0: Nay, nay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So nay. And then you see the horse legs come past, getting in the way of you and the copper sheet, and right. then the wagon comes past. And as the wagon comes past, swing by with your camera, and it's almost as if uh, the the breeze of the wagons like pulled the camera you're shaking Sorry. your head year 60 share where's your cohesion where's that copper what is that what what link it what, oh, what oh, actually is it oh you're about to find out don't worry you're be grasping <laughs> no 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 i know exactly what it is okay Fair enough. as the camera pulls up you realize you're it just keeps going up but right. starts tilting down you realize you are now facing down bird's eye view on an alleyway which just has things in it there's a <laughs> box uh, over there crate wooden crate a, an yeah. old barrel just yeah. some old bits of copper left over <laughs> gone to rust it has has it uh, yeah tarnished you could call it <laughs> and um, <laughs> good save if you can call it that <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this anyway it's really dark though you can't make much out apart okay. from the slight reflection on this copper <laughs> indescript copper thing <laughs> sheet metal yeah okay <laughs> (laughs) It's what it is. Um, Anyway, you you see a dark shape jump off the wagon and start coming to the back of the wagon. Cat. No, no, it's a person. You can tell that much. And then another person jumps off the wagon and comes around the back. And together they pull off something large and heavy off the back of the wagon. (laughs) His name's Daniel. (laughs) Not quite It's a big heavy shape It kind of thuds to the ground And yeah. one of them goes Be careful And then suddenly A door opens in the alleyway light spills out <laughs> The light just reflects off that bit of copper. Like no one's business You see a silhouette Poke its head out of the door It's still looking from above here and say something along the lines of, quickly in here before someone sees you. So the two people who got off the, the carriage pull this big heavy object into the warehouse, which is what is. It's got a warehouse feel to this. Okay. By this time, the camera starts to just go down and follow them all as they go into the warehouse. So you're now inside this dark room. They sell a kind of feeling, even though you're not actually underground. Industrial. Yeah. Pillars. Yeah. Anyway, they dump this package in the middle of the room. And uh, the, guy, the guy who let them in just says, Right, I'll just put it, put it over there. And... One of them pulls out a rope and starts tying something to one end of this package. And then, again, the person who opened the door said, we'll winch it up the shaft later, just uh, just let it hang for now. So you see, the rope that was being used to tie up one end of this package suddenly goes tight. You realise it's attached to something through the ceiling, in a hole in the ceiling. That's very much like a chimney that this rope's coming out of. And slowly... This package is dragged up towards the chimney, towards this shaft. And it bends slightly as it leaves the ground. And the cloth that's covering it starts to fall off. And you watch as a body of a man is slowly dragged up what looks like this chimney shaft. And you hear one man say, same price as last time. And then there's just the slow swinging of this body upside down. Benjamin Harrison, Part One. Ooh, yeah, Bit almost like Birkin and esque. Very, very Birkin and esque. This is very much Resurrection Men. You got that? Oh, oh yes. Intrigued? Yes. Is the body Harrison's? I mean, who knows? So many questions. Who knows? Who knows? I know. And you will do soon. Yay! Okay, right. Let's do this then. We are with a family that we've seen before because it's the Harrisons.
0: Yay! Yay!
1: So we started William's episode with uh, a man stepping off a boat, Jamestown, right at the start of the American adventure. We went right Mm. back to the beginning because the Harrisons have been in America since America was a thing according okay. to the European white English settlers, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We then had a montage of the family from 1633 up to the War of Independence. So I'm not going to do that again. Uh, mm. Go and listen to William's episode if you want to hear more about the family. We'll just do a lot quicker montage. Okay. So it's very similar <laughs> montage. It's just how one's running. <laughs> well, you know, kind of VHS fast-forward thing. Yeah, exactly. A little fast-forward things at the bottom, but a little lines yeah. going through. Yeah. Yeah, really... Jerky, quick image of the first Benjamin Harrison getting a job for the local government and make, getting rich. Then building a plantation. That gets thrown up within seconds. Uh, one of the heads of the family was killed, if you remember, when lightning struck him as he walked past a window. That's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Steel windows. Exactly. They didn't see it coming. Uh, and then we got Benjamin Harrison 5. They did not like like the name Benjamin in the Harrison family. Benjamin Harrison 5 who I believe, if I remember correctly, we compared to Brian Blessed. He was six foot four. And gained the nickname the Signer when he signed the Declaration of Independence. He made jokes about Jerry and his gerrymander, and about Jerry being executed, saying, "Oh, if I get executed, I'll die quickly because I'm so big. But you'll dance around when you're hung." <laughs> oh, signing the Declaration of Independence. He, he, oh, he doesn't sound. Oh, yeah, and, and another one where he he physically picked up John Hancock and just plunked him in the chairman's seat. while meeting? Because no one could decide who the chairman was going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there we go. That's Benjamin Harrison 5. Nice. And then we looked at Benjamin Harrison V's son in a lot more detail because that is William Harrison, uh, the ninth president of well, the United States. Of course States. It was. Uh, We followed him as he trained to be a doctor and then he joined the army and then he headed to the frontier and he got married and started his life in the region. Then in 1804, while territorial governor of the Indiana Territory, uh, he and Anna had a son Named John Scott. It sounds like something you'd exclaim.
0: <laughs> John Scott! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> John Scott uh, was the fifth of their ten children, so you would have thought they'd got used to it by now. But no, apparently it's John Scott, another child. <laughs> so um, William then made a name for himself when he was fighting Tecumseh, remember? Yes, I remember He's was that um, uh, Native American... That was good at yeah. stuff <laughs> yes he was his brother was called the prophet yeah. and yeah. together they, they led um, a, a rebellion slash war of independence or freedom depending what you want to call it uh, but yeah generally didn't lay down also William makes a name for himself in the war of 1812 so whilst William Harrison's making a name for himself as a general, John Scott is growing up. He then meets someone when he's 20, he grew up quickly. Uh, he met someone called Lucretia. They had three children together. Lucretia that sounds almost like a Roman name. Yeah, yeah, it does. Anyway, they have three children together, and then Lucretia dies at the age of twenty six. Hope you didn't get attached to her. Oh no, well it's just blurred. It was like marriage then just graveside. Yeah, pretty much, unfortunately. I couldn't even find out how she died. Bear mauling. Oh, nasty. Teddy bear mauling. <laughs> Haven't got teddy bears yet. A mm-hmm. couple of presents yep. off that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Toy bear mauling, then. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, John Scott soon met someone else, however, and this was Elizabeth, and the next year they were married. By this time, John Scott was running the Harrison family farm in North Bend, Ohio, and John Scott and Elizabeth would also have ten children together. Big family was the Harrison family. Like, you'd have to back then, though, wouldn't you? Because half of them die. Yeah, unfortunately so. Anyway, the second child of Elizabeth and John Scott got was named Benjamin, and this is our Benjamin Harrison. Okay, so William Henry Harrison was... Benjamin Harrison's grandfather. Yes, exactly. See, I made the link. Yeah, nice to know nepotism is still fully in force. <laughs> but we'll find out how that works. Anyway, born in 1833, Benjamin was born in William Henry Harrison's log cabin. That's the famous log cabin and hard cider log cabin. You remember the uh, the campaign?
0: Oh no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Tippecanoe and Tyler's. Oh too, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he he liked his hard cider and sitting in his log cabin yeah yeah if you also remember the so-called log cabin by this point was a huge house because it had been built up upon and extended and like oh. you couldn't see any of the logs anymore because they just looked like normal walls fair, or fair enough. yeah so it's big house the family that benjamin were born into uh they weren't rich i mean william harrison was obviously doing well for himself well yeah uh, but it's a huge family, and there's only so much money to go around. So they weren't rich, but they also weren't destitute. No. And you do, if you're reading some of the history books, you do see a lot of. Uh... Benjamin Harrison bring himself up from his destitute past. It's like, really? Not convinced. He had a massive log covered in a massive farm. So. Yeah, but um, again, we'll get into that a bit more later. Mm. Uh, anyway, William was obviously a prominent national figure by this point. He was able to pull strings and make favours appear when one of John Scott's brothers died, leaving a huge debt to his family. So the family had a safety net. They weren't rolling in it, but they knew that if worst comes to worst, a favour or two could be asked for. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I mean, John Scott's running the farm, and the farm's really not making much money. In fact, they are losing money. Little Benjamin grew up on this farm, learning to help out when needed, uh, learning how to fish and hunt. Two things he enjoyed doing very much. He'd help clean out the chickens and the pigs, do other farm things. Yeah, milk the goat, make really cheese. Doing that. People make cheese, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. His education began when a log cabin, and they did love their log cabins, uh, was uh, built on the Harrisons' land and turned into a school for all the children in the area. So oh. like, the local school was on his land. he never leave school. Yeah, not good. Ben took to learning very well. His first teacher said, is said to have remarked that Ben was the brightest of all the Harrisons, even when he was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I don't know whether that's meant to be, <clears throat> yeah. like, compared to... All Housemans when they were five or whatever. No, I think, yeah, at that age. <laughs> but I quote: even when he was five years old, he was determined to go ahead in everything. Competitive. That's good if you want to yeah. be president. From an early age, once he knew how to read, Ben would go up to his grandfather's house and look at the books in the extensive library that was there. History books, biography books, novels All kinds of books that William Harrison Has accumulated throughout his life Kind of reading as well Yeah I mean to be fair these books were probably beyond him At this age but it was something to go and look at mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them had pictures Woodcuts, they probably had woodcuts Fancy woodcuts uh, And then he he gets to the grand old age of seven <laughs> And little Benjamin Is told the news Granddad is going to be the president Of the United States
0: Yeah, oh, splendid
1: um, I mean Ben must have realised that his grandad was important and the family were important, but he probably didn't fully understand the uniqueness of what was going on here. He didn't attend the inauguration of his grandfather. He stayed at home. There's too many of them. Yeah, exactly. Just as well he didn't attend the inauguration, as it was the longest in all of American history. And uh, it was raining and cold. Nice. Yeah. Oh! (laughs) Something just clicked. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's only a month later that news then reached the family. Grandad was dead. Safety net gone. Little Benjamin probably grew up thinking that being the president was the most dangerous thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) As the country mourned, so did the family. William's body arrived at North Bend, and he was buried. Little Ben then carried on with his life. Now, John Scott was struggling financially more than ever. The family had connections still, but with William dead, the connections were a bit more shaky. And even if they did have some connections and favours they could pull, you can't really eat a favour. It doesn't put food on the table. Still, John Scott was able to put just enough money together to send four year old Ben to Farmers College near Cincinnati. He was determined that his son would get an education. Farmers College? Yeah, it was just the name. It wasn't a college for farmers. Oh, that's but what I was hoping like. I'm guessing that it, like, the uniform was Dungaree's <laughs> <Yeah>. straw hat. <laughs> uh-huh. like, Chad, where's your ear of corn? Sorry. Alright, sit on the bail of A. <laughs> Time to learn to milk a cow. Frasier, grab the udders. No, that's not a cow, Ben. (laughs) That's a bull. Put those down. Is that their international teacher coming? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, in from Britain. Yeah. well, uh, Ben enjoyed his time at, at Farmer's College. Uh, he had a very religious upbringing. Uh, in particular, his mother was very devout and instilled this into her children. So Ben would continue his love for religion in college, where he was taken under the wing of a man named Professor Bishop. Very religious name, isn't it? It is, but he was not a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Presbyterian minister, which oh. probably confused used a lot of people yeah go
0: and see the bishop
1: what <laughs> but oh i'm confused so yeah ben gets on with his studies he was st- seen as of a very able student uh, there was a rumor that he was involved in the raiding of the local orchids belonging to the president of the school one day oh but scandal but nothing could actually be proven so that happened. There's another story of the boys filling a keg full of stones and rolling it down a corridor where, when prayer was supposed to be going on. Why would... You, that's not even fun. What? Yeah, we don't even know if Ben was involved. He was probably no. just praying. I mean, I, on
0: my way back home tonight, I saw, like, these secondary school kids uh, pushing each other in trolleys. That's
1: fine, I understand that. Rite of passage for a teenager. Yeah, but rolling a barrel of rocks. They oh. didn't have trolleys back then, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Simpler times. Exactly. Yeah, so those were two stories that I I got, but I don't think Ben was actually involved in them. I think Ben just got on with his work while some shenanigans went on. It seems that he spent his entire time in college praying and studying. Mm. Anyway, Bishop set his class difficult tasks Which meant that they had to research American history in detail And then use facts to formulate ideas They weren't just going to learn by rote They had to come up with their own ideas Uh, We have one piece of writing from Ben at this time He wrote about America's character Using how women were treated To prove how civilised the country was So treating women Less good (laughs) Than treating menfolk
0: Was seen as refinement
1: Oh no no! I'll, I'll read. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Look at the position women occupies in this country. I'm not sure why his voice was like this when he's only just comes <laughs> Very young developer. Look at the position. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going for the first one. Look at the position women occupies in this country. Instead of being regarded as a slave far beneath the dignity of man, she is considered a superior being, and in the eyes of many, an angel. This is, however. The case only when we behold them through the telescope of love. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Always good to get the phrase telescope of love <laughs> to any piece of writing. Well, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. <laughs> Which, like all other telescopes, has the power of magnifying objects. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> If you say so, Benjamin. And perhaps this possesses the power to a greater degree than any other. But whether we behold them through this glass or any other, she still appears worthy of the exalted position that she occupies. So, there you go. We treat women so amazingly well. We are such a civilised country. Which I think tells us more about the relative comfort of Ben's family and the life that he was living more than the nature of the country, to be honest. Yeah, I think you might be right there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that this would have been news to a majority of women living in America at the time. What the bloody hell do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Still, there was one reason why he was talking about his telescope of love, because he had met the daughter of another minister and professor at the college. Her name was Caroline or Carrie, and soon the two were spending a lot of time with each other, catching some stargazing. <laughs> Might see a shooting star tonight (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing Now towards the end of his studies, there is one story which I know will interest you Are you ready for this? I'm all ears One day, a disappointed John Scott opened a letter from Farmers College Only to find, to his utter disgust, that Benjamin had been eating forbidden cucumbers Oh my goodness I know what a fool. Why was he eating the forbidden cucumbers? I've been painting this picture as if he was almost boring at college. And then suddenly, right at the end, we find out... Oh, it's a curveball. I know, I know. What? Well, let, let, let me continue. His sisters, who were already not happy with Benjamin because he wasn't writing home enough, they sent a letter to Ben's older brother, who was also at Farmer's College, Yeah, just to tell Ben's brother to tell Ben off. Yeah. i quote tell Benger if he doesn't write me we will scratch him out of our books. That's how one letter ended but there was a postscript. P.S. tell Ben pa is quite hurt to think that he continues to eat cucumbers notwithstanding his advice and often said that he cannot account for his not writing so if he wants to please his father he will change in this respect. What's wrong with cucumbers? P.P.S. <laughs> We feel constantly anxious about you. I hope you will be prudent in your diet and that Benja may abstain from cucumbers. Banish them from the table so Ben may not be tempted. What's all with cucumbers? Jamie? Yep. I wish I could tell (laughs) you. I have no idea. That's phenomenal. Um, I, I no, I'm I'm lost. I did try and do this, and yeah. it turns out if you type in "forbidden cucumber" to, <laughs> to Google, you, you don't you don't no. get, or at least I didn't get what I was after. <laughs> um. Satisfying though. <laughs> Is this a serious dietary concern? Maybe cucumbers were suspected of uh, they're mostly water, so uh, maybe that people thought that you on would the get ill. Yeah, maybe they hang, didn't they? Is this I mean these were very deeply religious people. Oh, Is this a phallic thing? It might be a phallic. It might thing. just be a phallic thing. Or is it just a weird thing that Farmers College wrote home about and Benjamin's sisters found it as hilarious as we do <laughs> and uh, just started writing back, taking the mick basically? <laughs> yeah. Kept talking about how worried they were about the cucumbers. I don't know. Oh, that, see, I would love that if that was probably the case. <laughs> Yeah. For the love. of God, don't eat the cucumbers. <laughs> but there we go. I mean, I, I was worried. Benja- Some people have said, it's like, how are you going to make Benjamin Harrison interesting? He's known for being one of the most boring presents. It's like, well... <laughs> we found it. We found it. He, The man eats the forbidden cucumber. Yeah. he's got now got a habit, though. He's got a like, powder cucumber in his pocket. <laughs> yes. Every now and again. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just from now on, just imagine a cucumber in his pocket. Okay. For emergencies. <laughs> I do not think of thought about marrows and carrots? <laughs> oh, God, <I'm> a yeah. marrow. <laughs> That's more than forbidden. Yeah, well, if, uh, if it was a joke, which, uh, like you say, I really hope it was a joke, and his sisters just found it as funny as we do, the mood suddenly turned very serious. No, seriously, put away the cue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, illness swept through the family at North Bend. Ben's mother and two of his siblings died. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ben wrote to Bishop... The hand of God has indeed been pressing sorely on our little household. Aww. Anyway, Ben's 17 by this point, and he goes to Miami University in Oxford. What? Which obviously is in Ohio. Oh yeah. <laughs> We've come across the Miami before. Miami were a. Uh, a Native American tribe. Oh yes, uh, yeah, yeah. From the Ohio region, region. right. And then, obviously, uh, Oxford is just a name stolen from England as people went over because they can't make up their own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or well, maybe, maybe someone was porting an ox. Who knows? Wow. As in, like, fording a river. I should probably say with an ox, not actually fording the ox. (laughs) No, I think you should ford the ox. Okay. Anyway, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, um, was a sudden move for Ben. Uh, There were a couple of reasons why he wanted to move, though. Because he was doing well in Farmer's College. You you can now tell the difference between a cow and a bull and a chicken and a goat. You can't milk a chicken. Exactly. The main reason why he wanted to move uh, to Miami University was that Carrie had moved to a girls' college in the area, and uh, it's... Very boring stargazing on your own. (laughs) I mean, common uh, for students, but just not as fun. Yeah, it's always better to stargaze with somebody else. Yeah. Now, Ben had been home for a few months with his mourning family, but at last he leaves the very sad household behind him. And he did very well in Miami as well. He soon became president of the Literacy Society. Uh, He became more aware of politics at this time. The Compromise of 1850 had just come through. Uh, Ben thought it was a very good compromise. It would keep the country together. Yep. Yeah, moles be damned. Hmm. Uh, So while continuing his studies, Ben starts to think about his future. There were two things he thinks he could do well. Number one, obviously, become a lawyer. Yeah, yeah because that's what everyone does in our podcast. Yeah. Number two... Priest, vicar, yes. bishop, something like that. Not join, the, join the ministry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Those are one of the two things he wants to do. Uh, he felt the call to do God's work, but he also really wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I do feel the call. Or oh, I could get rich. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Son,
0: you can you can do God's work. We can help the lame, give advice to people that truly need it. Or you can waste your life, countless amounts of money,
1: and endless parties and drinking. What would you? Oh, you've gone. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Every recruitment drive. <laughs> it was fine though. Benjamin had a justification for this. He said in a speech to his fellow students, apparently, I'd like to think this was not a planned speech. I'd like to think he just stood up on a chair one day. and It's like, right, everyone, listen to me. Um. Everybody, everybody, got a speech. Like you ought to know, but I've decided to become a lawyer. But, but, bear with me. Before you get angry. Who well, are you? <laughs> he, s- he stated that uh, he was going to become a lawyer because he disliked the, and I quote, proposition... That no honest or pious man can practice the law with success.
0: Oh, he's putting it as a challenge to
1: himself. Yeah, everyone says lawyers are all corrupt. So he was going to become a lawyer to prove that you don't have to be corrupt.
0: Yeah, nothing to do with the tons of cash and the the women and the alcohol and
1: the drugs. (laughs) That's the life of a lawyer back then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. That's uh, films. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was just the rock star lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he, he knows what he's going to do now. So he graduates. He does. He does well enough, not amazingly, but he, he graduates. Um, by this time, he and Carrie were engaged. Oh. However. Ben's not going to marry until he can support his new family. This meant passing the bar and getting the job as a lawyer. No marriage until then. So, how can he become a lawyer? Limbo. Pass the bar, no? Oh, oh, Oh. well done. Thank you. Have a ranking point. Yes. Well, if the family contacts had not put food on the table when he was a boy... Well, they certainly kick in now. This this is when it's good to know people. Uh, John Scott introduced Ben to a prominent Cincinnati lawyer and former congressman. Uh, The story plays out as we have seen time and again in this podcast. Ben becomes the dog's body of the office. He disliked the tedious work. He felt like he was being used. But slowly but surely, he learns the trade. Yeah. However, if you've got that montage going on... Yeah. Just suddenly cut halfway through the montage... I mean, he's still not got to the point where he can pick up the books with one hand yet. You still have to use two hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know the montage isn't over. It suddenly stops, and then he just tuts to himself and walks out. Oh. He's not giving up on being a lawyer, but the tedium of the work did chip away at his resolve. He'd promised himself that he was going to be a lawyer before he married Carrie, but Maybe just working in a lawyer's office counted. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Maybe. I mean, yeah. he's, he's still staring at those stars on his own at night. That's true. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um... And they're long nights. Well. <laughs> they are. So he's going to see if he can go and marry Carrie. It would just... Make things a lot nicer. did, <laughs> yeah, Geoff. So, he goes and pays uh, Carrie's father a, a visit and assures him that he would be able to support his daughter, definitely. I know I'm on a pittance for a wage right now, but don't worry. I've, I've got it sorted. I've got a plan. After all, he was determined to succeed. And everyone knew, in America at this time, as long as you worked hard and you were determined to succeed... You did. You would. So... As long as you were rich and... Well, this this works. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. W- what one benefit of the American dream, you can say things like, but I'll succeed because I want to. And people will go, Oh yeah. I wonder how much that work. How far <laughs> did you get away with that mindset? I don't you know. <laughs> Anyway, this works. And in 1853, Benjamin and Carrie were married. And Carrie was pregnant within days. <laughs> <laughs> Of stargazing that night. (laughs) Oh, yes. Not long afterwards, Ben passed the bar. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's suddenly already (laughs) ego. Yeah. He skipped to work that morning, (laughs) whistled his way into the office. Just flew through the paperwork.
0: Yeah,
1: There's a certain change in him. <laughs> I've quite put my finger on what. But... <laughs> anyway, he, he was determined to get out of Cincinnati, however. He really was fed up of working in that lawyer's office. He did feel hard done by. Um, and he'd just grown to loathe the entire city during his training. So he, he was going to go and make his own way in the world. So the Harrisons moved to Indianapolis. Uh, he had a cousin there who happened to be a prominent businessman and politician. Of course he did. So that helps. He's making his own way. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> ben set up his lawyer firm, but Carrie stayed at home with her parents for the rest of the pregnancy, because it's always good to be near mom when you're pregnant for the first time. Makes sense. Yeah. Ben hasn't got a clue what's going on. No. So well, I'm not even sure I got there, to be honest. <laughs> we were literally gazing. <laughs> uh, however, in 1854... Uh, when little baby Russell was born, they moved and their family were reunited once more. Right. So there you go, you've got a little family. The law firm was going slowly. Uh, to begin with, uh, he gained a few cases, um, but nothing worth writing home about. Ben started to despair. I mean, his plan was really clear, he was determined to succeed, but it Turns out that it was actually a bit harder than that. Also, the market seems really saturated of lawyers this, this time, doesn't <laughs> it? It's like everyone and their dogs are lawyer. There, there are definitely a few lawyers. But don't forget, that is mainly because we look at presidents. and Presidents tend to be us lawyers. Yeah. So we do have a certain bias there. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> I'm guessing to every farmer, you've probably got only about 10 lawyers. <laughs> so. But then, in 1855, a successful local attorney was in need of a partner. His name was William Wallace. Hey! (laughs) Now, I did... I, I did, escaped that a few years ago. <laughs> I did do some checking. Uh, and although it seems unlikely that this is the same William Wallace that fought for the freedom of Scotland from England in the 13th century yeah. and also starred in the documentary, the well-known documentary known as Braveheart, yeah. um, I, I found nothing to defiantly state that this is not the same man. So I think we can probably assume it's the same man. I, I think we can. Yeah. William Wallace. Is <laughs> same face, man. <laughs> but he's just a lawyer now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. like tattered suit, same very angry accent, mm. same weird Australian mix with yeah. uh, Scottish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, William Wallace apparently needed someone to look after the day-to-day running of his firm for a while. Hey, I need a skivvy. Because, well, he was busy. I did think to look into what, but then I realised, well, obviously it's fighting the English. Of course, yeah. Uh, So he's off to earn his freedom. (laughs) So uh, he was there in his kilt, chopping wood in the back garden whilst explaining to Harrison, he just needs to look after the business for a bit because he's off to go and... Chop off some English heads, whilst at the same time giving little intricacies towards lawyering as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I don't forget.
0: So paragraph three. <laughs>
1: Anyway, Benjamin jumped at this chance. Who wouldn't want to work for William Wallace? Uh, He had connections, and being partnered with him would bring in a lot of work. I mean, the star power alone. Yeah, exactly. And this works. Over the next few years, business goes really well. The Harrisons have another child, a daughter this time. Benjamin also starts being even more involved in the church than he already was. Isn't it weird that, like... Every time he has another child, he seems to do really, really well. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a correlation here. There definitely is. Uh, he was made a deacon at this point. A deacon. That's, yeah, he's that's a bit of a yeah. Image, he's, isn't he's very much involved in church life. Uh, in fact, his whole life revolves around the church and the law, oh. and occasionally burying the bodies of dead Englishmen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got another one for you. <laughs> they keep popping up. <laughs> I
0: found this one in the corridor. <laughs> so
1: <Sorry. laughs> cut his head clean off. <laughs> I was going to say our Scottish accents are really bad, but so was uh, William Wallace's. I've seen the documentary. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's fine. Anyway, so everything is going well. Life is good is what I'm trying to say here. However, it was hard not to be dragged into politics in the late 1850s. The Whigs, uh, the party of his grandfather, remember, uh, collapsed. And in its place was a selection of new parties, but the most prominent, as we have seen, were the Know-Nothings and the Republicans. Mm. Now, his father, John Scott, has had a busy life that we've not really been covering um, because in the last five or six years or so, he'd started his own career in politics after being a struggling farmer. Oh. Yeah, again, connections. Yeah, he'd just finished a term in Congress. However, upon the death of the Whig Party, John Scott looked around for a new political home. He wrote to his son, letting him know that the American Party seemed to have the right idea. The American Party. Oh, yes. Know-Nothings would replace the Whigs opposing the Dems. Understand that, son, was the tone of the letter. Benjamin, however, was less sure. The Know-Nothings were a tad racist, Benjamin thought. A little bit bigoted, quite angry. Didn't he support the compromise, though? Yeah, but there's a difference between supporting the compromise because you think we need to compromise and Uh, just blaming immigrants for everything. That is a... yeah. So, um, anyway, perhaps the Republicans would be a better fit, he thought. So there you go. You've got father and son going in opposite ways politically. Aye. (laughs) And William Wallace in the background. (laughs) Good on you, son. (laughs) Uh, The Republican candidate uh, in the upcoming election, Vermont, did not do well, nor did the know-nothing former president, Fillmore. Instead, as we've seen, the Democratic Buchanan won. Oh, yeah. Much to everyone's dismay. We're quite far back, aren't we? Yeah, we're just before the war. He must be quite old when he was president. Yeah, yeah, he's getting getting on a bit by that point, yeah. Now, Benjamin was disappointed, um, but by this point, he had the politics bug. He he wanted to get involved. So he decides to run for office, or at least an office. This is city attorney for Indianapolis, which he gets, which is good. And then he becomes the secretary of the Republican State Committee. So he's getting high up in the state Republican Party. By this time, the Republicans were starting to take note of this lawyer chap uh, called Abraham Lincoln who was uh, making the right noises, and Harrison started campaigning for Lincoln, delivering speeches, raving against the, and I quote, slavery oligarchy in Washington. Uh, At this point, John Scott sent his son a letter complaining that Benjamin needed to watch his rhetoric. He said that your grandfather's friends would be offended by the way you're talking about them. Yeah. Still, Benjamin campaigned. Yeah, <laughs> so <I> don't care. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah, he was campaigning not not just for Lincoln, but he was also running for the reporter of the state supreme court position, which sounds very nice, very fancy, yeah. very fancy. It's basically the man responsible for publishing the decisions of the court. So you just type out what they've said. Yeah, hand it out on steps outside, maybe. That sounds great. Oh, but good responsibility, though. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Essentially, what, whatever you type is what is <gasps> down on record. That's a very good point, yes. That's responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, yeah. So, local politics is essentially what I'm saying here. And things go well, both for Lincoln and Harrison, because they both win their elections. Uh, Lincoln becomes the President of the United States, and Harrison can now type up his reports. Yay. Benjamin went to go and listen to Lincoln speak. As he was on his way to Washington, and was very impressed. <laughs> a lot of rambling stories, but that pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. And then, as we all know, war broke out. Benjamin decides not to sign up. Well, he's a he, Christian, is probably a more of a pacifistic view. Oh, uh, not right? necessarily. No. Certainly not. Kill just... them! Oh, he's worked <laughs> not... with William Wallace a while, hasn't he? So. Well, well, we'll get to that, don't we? At this time uh, in America, yeah, being Christian certainly would not mean you were necessarily pacifist. Oh. Um, it was more the fact that Carrie was pregnant again. Plus, Benjamin had one of his brothers and nephews living with him at the time dependent on his income. So there were like a f- quite a few people dependent on him. Right. He didn't feel like he should just rush off and fight in a war that was probably going to be over soon anyway. After all, how can the North lose this? We're so yeah. much more powerful than the South. Yeah, be over by Christmas. Exactly. Then, however, the daughter who Carrie was pregnant with died in childbirth. Yeah, the family were devastated. The war seemed of less importance to them okay. than the personal tragedy that had just occurred. However, after a year of fighting, it became clear to everyone that this war was not going away any time soon, and pressure was started to be put on the men of Indianapolis to sign up. The governor of the state had called out through the papers uh, for men to defend their homeland. Come on, guys, what are you doing? This is a real war. We need to go and fight. Mm. Now, it just so happened that the next day, Benjamin and William Wallace were due to meet the governor about some other business. Nothing to do with signing up for the war. Probably William Wallace wanted to talk about the encroachment of the English or something. (laughs) Hey, they're way more of a problem than the sooth. (laughs) Yeah, now when they arrived at the governor's office, they found the governor in a despondent mood. He he was looking out of his window at a building being built opposite the office they were stood in. And uh, he was wondering out loud how men could happily build buildings knowing that the country was being destroyed. So, why are you building that for? It's like, we could lose everything unless we win this war.
0: Bit of a pessimist.
1: (laughs) You can tell there's a glass (laughs) of whiskey. What's the point? (laughs) glass of whiskey in his hand. (laughs) Yeah. A cigar.
0: Leaning against the window, yeah. Shirt, you know, tie slightly undone.
1: Now, Benjamin looked at the governor, uh, and he he felt like he was being rebuked. Took this personally, he did. And uh, he caved, probably to the governor's ploy, to be honest, and replied, Mm. and I quote, Governor, if I can be of any service... I will go. The governor turned hope in his eyes. (laughs) Now our fortunes will change. (laughs) Well, he said, you can raise a regiment in this congressional district right away, but it is asking too much of you to go into the field with it. You have just been elected reporter of the Supreme Court. Benjamin replied that if he was going to raise a regiment, he would also lead it. But you have no military experience. What a ridiculous idea. Close. (laughs) Wonderful. You can have the rank of second lieutenant. Oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) So, Benjamin headed to his office, took a detour. He and Wallace stopped by, uh, picked up a flag and a a drummer boy. Oh, my From the flag and drummer boy shop, I can only assume. (laughs) Great selection today, lads. (laughs) This one is only 12, but he'll he'll drum his arms
0: off if he needs to. All right? Yeah. Hey, but can he sing? (laughs) I oh, you
1: can sing as well. So, <laughs> they took the flag back to uh, Benjamin's law office. With Benjamin singing, Come, they call me, the drummer. William just singing Auld Lang Syne. <laughs> yeah, they hang up the flag, and William Wallace was his first recruit. Aye. I know a thing or two about fighting. <laughs> Let me just get my Claymore Let <laughs> me beg pipes. Just swinging an axe on his shoulder <laughs> yeah. His face is already half blue Because it's always half blue But yeah. he's put a fresh coat oh, yeah. of blue on his face Yeah, oh, yeah. What a guy uh, You fact, don't need your undershorts as well <laughs> In fact, William Watts is very keen Very keen yeah. There's a spark in his eye that Benjamin's not seen before <laughs> We're off to fight the south The south of England Yes, Somerset Somerset <laughs> wonderful yeah so (laughs) benjamin spent a whole day recruiting um and then went home to tell carrie that he was off to war
0: but our daughters just died
1: it was about a year ago by this point that's what he said. She didn't like that <laughs> No, no. It <laughs> was a year ago. It's fine, love. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Anyway, within a month, he was the colonel of the 70th Indiana Volunteer Regiment. Pretty colonel. Oh, yes, he's a colonel. So he sets off with his men to war, writing to Carrie, asking that she pray to God, asking that, and I will quote, he will enable me to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, which just... Puts me in mind of the Salvation Army. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just no. It's like, no. You
0: you, you can't kill people.
1: As I say, not really the pacifist route. No, no, not really. No. I hope I can kill people and they'd know it was done with God's touch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that they deserved it. For the next year and a half, Harrison's regiment. Performed guard duty and garrison duty. Oh, splendid! In Kentucky and Tennessee, <laughs> uh, they they didn't really see any action. Uh, nothing much was going on. Uh, the regiment was untrained, and it showed. Did every day, and like like uh, William Wallace come back every night covered in blood and just like, hey, <laughs> that was great. I slaughtered eighteen of them. Woo! <laughs> we are miles away from the front line. <laughs> hey, we got no
0: time to go into that minutia. <laughs>
1: Let's clean the pots. <laughs> See how some of us slightly worried look on his face. He's starting to worry. Should he be checking on this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really not my job.
0: <laughs> it's not really my remit.
1: Yeah. Um, but the problem with the, the regiment was um, everyone kind of knew each other because everyone was recruited from the same place and they weren't really seeing any action. So it, was, it seemed a bit like a holiday. Um. Uh, and everyone was just messing about, basically. So in... In order to attempt to bring his men into line, Harrison adopted a strict regime. Alcohol was banned outright from the camp. Drilling took place almost non-stop. Colonel Harrison soon noticed his superiors starting to take note. Oh, good regime going on there. Good training. (laughs) That's fantastic. Pot scrubbing. Yeah. Uh, But he also noticed that his men were starting to grumble. It soon became common for his men to duck out of camp just to find some booze. It was then noticed by his superiors, we would often find his men out, just out drunk somewhere. He he was losing discipline. Yeah. He was he perhaps hammered down a bit too hard, and people were resenting him for it. He wrote home to describe one of the troublemakers to Carrie, He is a blatant infidel who hates me for the religious influence I attempt to exert over the regiment. Ooh. Yeah, you, you know that whilst he's... Doing all the drills. He's got a Bible in hand. Oh, no. And he's, he's quoting scripture and... Oh. Yeah. Ten Bibles on their backs are doing push-ups. Kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe that. Oh. Uh, Eventually, though, the regiment was brought under some sense of order. Um, After a long time of doing very little, the regiment were then called up to serve under Sherman and his campaign to take Atlanta. It actually looked like they were going to see some fighting for the first time. He wrote to Carrie, You will perhaps like to know how I feel on the eve of my first great battle. Well, I do not feel in the least excited, nor in any sense shrinking. I am... In my usual good spirits, though not at all insensible to the grave responsibilities and risks which I must bear tomorrow. Should I be numbered amongst the slain? Let your grief be tempered by the consolation that I died for my country and in Christ. If God gives me strength, I mean to bear myself bravely, come what will. So you may have no cause to blush for me, though you should be forced to mourn. Oh. So, that's a nice letter. Yeah must have been hard for Carrie to read. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but there you go. He's, he's going to do his best. Yeah. He doesn't want to embarrass anyone. No. Most of his men are sober now. Hopefully he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. He, he never did any point did he try and take the whiskey off William, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> William, i am come to ask you about your whiskey intake. I can do more if you want. <laughs> I can double it. <laughs> anyway, Harrison did well the following day. He was in the thick of fighting uh, at the Battle of Ressica. Really? Uh, he was ordered to take a hill that was being held by Confederate forces. However, he and his men were soon caught out of position, thanks to the manoeuvring of other troops. They found themselves needing to climb a very steep slope of this hill in full view of Confederate forces. Well, they shouldn't have started singing hymns on the way up. That's <laughs> probably... Well, I'll quote. "'It was very steep, and I could only get up the hill by pulling roots and bushes. You would better believe I scrambled up pretty fast.' The sharpshooters did not fail to pay their compliments to me all the way up. Ooh. So there they are being shot at, but in the end, Harrison was able to lead his men to the top of the hill, they took the enemy guns. Uh, But that was not the end of it, because the Confederate troops rallied and attempted to take the guns back. I strove in vain to rally my men under the enemy's fire on the hillside, and finally followed them into a partially sheltered place behind a ridge on our left, preparing to lead them again to the support of those who still held the guns that we had captured. So, he's there, he's trying to rally the men. Mm. Harrison was seen waving his sword with one hand, his revolver in another attempting to just keep his men under order because everyone's starting to scatter a bit and it's all becoming a bit unclear Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. which is understandable in the thick of the fighting however eventually order was restored by harrison and the hill was kept they took the guns Mm. fighting continued until nightfall uh, and eventually the confederate forces retreated. the union forces had won Mm. the next day the reality of the death toll hit harrison because the dead were collected but what had made it worse was that a fire had broken out in the nearby woods where fighting was also taking place. Many of our dead were horribly burned, which gave additional ghastliness to their stiffened corpses. So they spend a day just pulling out charred bodies to bury them. Nice. Nasty. Uh, Whilst doing this, Harrison was worried that he was going to get into trouble for the fighting the day before because he almost lost control of his men and almost Mm. lost the guns. But it turns out his superiors were more than pleased with the outcome. Yeah, you've won. We don't care. (laughs) Yeah, you've won. (laughs) Of course, it was hard. It's war. It's going to be hard. But you... You kept it under control, so well done. So actually, yeah, he got a pat on the back. But better than that, his men, as much as they grumbled about Harrison... Well, actually, Howson had proved himself in the fighting, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they were a lot closer. As yeah. like seeing actual action in war does bond people quite strongly. Also, it's very, very. It reminds me of um, uh,
0: Band of Brothers, where they get the um, uh, Ross from Friends. <laughs> yeah, like do, like really force them. But after the war, all the interviews with the soldiers afterwards were saying, actually, that training, you know, despite it being horrible. Yeah. made us better and kept us alive. Turns
1: out that being drunk wasn't a good idea. No. <laughs> yeah, Wallace is fine though. Oh yeah, yeah, he's. But he probably napped all the way through the fighting. I'll be honest. Uh, whilst doing my research, it's like, but where's William Wallace? Where's William Wallace? And then it's like I couldn't figure out whether he actually went with Harrison. And I finally found and one small little mm. note of him. It's like, yeah. So he is still with him. Yeah. So he was joined. He was in the middle of this battle, tossing logs. He was. Oh, just, just swinging a caber around. Yeah. What a guy. He disappeared appeared for a while and everyone was unsure what was going on and then yeah. all of a sudden just coming over the hills were hundreds hundreds <laughs> of scottish tribes around. where the hell do you get them from i just popped them.
0: <laughs> hey on the beginning of the
1: third day <laughs> Look to the east Anyway The fighting then continues Sherman presses on There's then a lot of fighting I certainly have not got time to cover it Just know there's a lot of fighting In fact uh, One of his biographers uh, Henry Seavers Wrote uh, in the 1960s I'll quote the historian here In less than a month Benjamin Harrison was destined to engage in more battles than either William Henry Harrison, his grandfather, or Andrew Jackson had fought in their entire lifetimes. There's a lot of fighting going on. Wow, yeah. And this was hard fighting. I'll give you a description of one of the many, many battles that Harrison was involved in. This yeah. is a another letter written to Carrie. Carrie must love these letters so much. I must die today, darling. <laughs> How are you? It, they really do read like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> "'My regiment was advanced without any support "'to within 300 yards of a strong rebel breastwork "'where they had eight pieces in position "'and nicely covered.' And we were being entirely exposed. We stood there fighting an unseen foe for an hour and a half without flinching, while the enemy's shells and grapes fell like hail in our ranks, tearing down large trees and filling the air with splinters. Two or three of my men had their heads torn off down to their shoulders, and others had fearful wounds. Love and kisses. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep well, darling. <laughs> yeah. I just um, didn't think
0: when he came home, to said, ah, Caroline, how are you? You look very grey.
1: <laughs> well, when Harrison uh, was finally recalled from the front line, they realised that they had been separated from a large portion of their forces, and this was a portion that had all of the surgeons in. So they needed medical help, but there were, they no, <laughs> there were no surgeons available. Ah. So Harrison, and this is where I came across, Wallace again, because Harrison and Wallace did what they could. Wallace had some old remedies passed down from Scotsman Aye, to Scotsman. Got some
0: old remedies for you. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Bite this bark. <laughs>
1: That's an axe. Aye. soon <laughs> <laughs> make your fuck yet. <laughs> you'll want to. Yeah. Uh, so the two of them rolled up their sleeves and uh, oh, got stuck in. in fact, i quote again a letter to Carrie. I was but an awkward surgeon, of course, but I hope I gave them some relief. <laughs> Quick death. <laughs> <laughs> there were some ghastly wounds. I pulled out of one poor fellow's arm a splinter five or six inches long and as thick as three of my fingers.
0: That's not a splinter. <laughs> that,
1: that's <laughs> a chunk of wood. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is full on bastone, kind of, uh, from Band of Brothers, if we're talking about Band yeah. of Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is nasty, very nasty. Mm. Uh, It's not long before Harrison gets promotion. He keeps his head under pressure and uh, he keeps running his regiment. In fact, soon he was leading four regiments, including the one he started with. More fighting follows. Another promise of promotion. Once the immediate fighting has stopped, we will promote you again, basically. Eventually, they reach Atlanta and then suddenly things slow down. The siege was not to Harrison's tastes. He wanted to get it over with and just go home. He's a bit fed up of it all by this point. He's stared death right in the face for quite some time now. It's like, I've got to get out of this soon, otherwise my luck will run out. Yeah. Uh, He writes again to Carrie, My life drags along very wearily now. The ceaseless care and watching, together with the hardship of this campaign of over a hundred days, has exhausted a good deal of my mental and nervous energy. And when not worked up by some unusual danger or responsibility... I feel a little depressed and homesick. Oh. Yeah. So, unless I'm literally being shot at, I'm just depressed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But you think, just Caroline's writing back, stop sending letters. Please, just stop. Or, if you do, just say, all's well with me. <laughs> yeah. Hope all's well with you. Yeah. You will not be surprised that Carrie starts to get a bit stressed. And, in fact, gets quite ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh, Harrison then gets a taste of what Carrie must have gone through during the war when he gets a letter saying that Carrie was so ill, it looked like she might die. So, (laughs) P.F., for love of God, stop sending (laughs) letters! Well, Harrison started to attempt to see if he could get home to see his wife, but they were in the middle of a siege. He was kind of needed. Fortunately, he received word not too long afterwards, however, that Carrie was recovering. He still wanted to get home, but at least the immediate threat was gone. And a couple of weeks later, Atlanta fell. And Harrison, who had let it be known that he wanted to get back to his wife, was given a job. Your job, very important this, go back to Indiana and uh, let the governor there know how we've done. Recruit some more men while you're there, um, and then come back. In other words, you burnt it. Go and see your family. Aww. The journey at home, however, was more eventful than he would have hoped for, because he got on a boat that was travelling up the Ohio River. This is just a civilian boat. Now, obviously, there's lots of military people around during the Civil War, but this was just a normal civilian boat. Had a few soldiers on it, but they're just travelling up the Ohio River. Up the river they go, and then suddenly, gunshots are heard. And then the <laughs> civilians on the boat start to panic. Because they realise the boat is being fired upon. Someone's trying to rob the boat, or maybe someone spotted the soldiers <gasps> and just started pirates. That's what it is. It's pirates. The pirates. Yeah, so most people were panicking. One passenger, however, recalls seeing Harrison. And I quote, a revolver in each hand, blazing away with great enthusiasm and vigour at the people on the shore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Harrison's been through some. So he's not taking this anymore. <laughs> For the love of. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna...
1: so, yeah, he's he's just stood one yeah. one leg on the the rail, <laughs> one foot up on the rail of the boat, pounding his chest at every shot.
0: Come on, <laughs> come on, Calby. <Kill> <laughs>
1: he's been hanging around with William Wallace for quite some time. It's rubbed off on him. But now uh, William Williams at the side with a with a like a shot of whiskey going, hey, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was uh, rejoined with his family, and while at home, he campaigned for the re-election of Lincoln. So. He, Did a bit of like, like politics. Uh, Lincoln won the re-election, as we saw in his episode. Yeah. At least he'll fall asleep, serve
0: a of server full two terms,
1: which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and Harrison, after a good break, seeing his family, he's rested, carries now well again, so he decides it's time to get back to his men. He's feeling guilty. They're still fighting. <laughs> yeah. You know
0: how you've now recovered.
1: <laughs> Bit of news. Uh, however, on his way back to his men, he received orders that actually he needed to lead a brigade in Tennessee in order to block a southern counteroffensive. So we, we need you somewhere else, Harrison. So go, go and take over this brigade. He took um, charge of some men who he didn't know, and they weren't very well trained. Or if they were well trained, they were injured from previous fighting. A ragtag bunch of men. It's, it's not the men he bonded with. Warm, um, yeah. Well with PTSD. Exactly. It's it wasn't great. He didn't enjoy it. There was some fighting defending Nashville, uh, but it's not quite what he'd experienced before. Uh, And then he was given leave again, once that finished. Said, do you want to go and visit your family again? Yeah, okay then. Um, So he does that, says hello to Carrie. But then, no, really, he's going back to his men this time. Time to go. Or at least that was the plan. Because scarlet fever then hits. And he gets ill. Quite severely ill. He spends several weeks recovering from this. Scarlet fever, gosh. Yeah, not nice. Eventually, he manages to pull through the illness. And... At last, he's on his way. He's going to go to North Carolina. He's going to get to his men and Sherman. The journey took a while, as you can imagine. It's a long distance to go. Um, and also, quite often when he was passing through places, he was given official orders to go and do something else that needed to be, p- some slack that needed to be picked up. At some point, he heard that General Lee had surrendered to Grant. Oh, yeah. It looked like the war was actually going to end. So he was going to finally get back to his men, but the war was over. But he's still going. He was going to go and see his yeah. men. Eventually, he arrives at the headquarters that he was aiming for, and he noted an odd air about the camp. All very strange. It was very quiet, not what you'd expect in a military camp. No one seemed to notice his return. no one seemed to pay him any attention. They were all listening to the news that was being spread. Oh Lincoln had been assassinated. Uh, yeah. Soon afterwards, Harrison was back home. The war's over. He settled back into civilian life. He had his law firm, um, but politics was where his heart lay now, so he's going to do something with politics. I'm just going to point it out now. That's it for William Wallace. So uh, What? Yeah, William Wallace. I, he's still around, don't worry. Uh, he didn't die. I I think he's like he's following around the entire time. That's my now view of him. (laughs) Okay. Even in the White House as president, he's just like, uh, "Don't worry, sir." They're they're still friends. They remain firm friends for life. So, okay, yeah, he's he's hanging around. He's hanging around from the background. Okay, that's the best. Yeah, I'm starting to get the accent. so I need to to keep it up. Fair enough. Um, Anyway, Harrison was now well known enough that he decides to run for governor. Mm. He did not win Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was popular uh, But a friend of the old governor Had uh, also ran And, you know, come on Yeah, Yeah. democracy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it's back to the law Then the panic of 1873 Comes along, many start to struggle Uh, If you've just got A regular normal job It was harder to put food on the table He's now 40 as well Uh, Uh, If you happen to work in a business that could take advantage of other people suddenly needing lots of legal uh, problems to be sorted. However, you could actually work. You could actually do quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the Harrisons really start doing well. A lot of work comes in. He and Carrie have a new house built in a very fancy part of town. This is a large mansion of a house, 16 rooms. It's still there today. You can go and look around it. 16 rooms. Yeah, yeah. Really big grand house. Uh, Harrison went on to say Around this time that a bit of financial Panic was a good thing because People were in too much of a hurry to get Rich nowadays he said standing on the Porch of his new mansion Mm -hmm. it's like people Are in a rush to get rich you need to Slow things down you need to work up throughout Your whole life to achieve things Right yeah which I'm sure Was the message that most people start Struggling to eat at the time wanted to hear (laughs) Yeah thanks (laughs) Anyway he carries on being a lawyer He was partly involved in one of the national scandals of the day, the whiskey ring. Well, you know whose problem that was. Well, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Harrison represented a man named Brownlee who was an internal revenue inspector who was accused of taking bribes from a whiskey distiller. Uh, The whiskey distiller had... uh, agreed to spill the beans in turn for a lighter sentence and said, yeah, I was paying that guy. As the distiller gave details in court, he made a big deal of describing the scene of paying the bribes down to the minute details. He even said that Brownlee was wearing kid gloves because he was off to a wedding afterwards. However, Harrison was then able to find a witness that claimed that Brownlee had no gloves during the wedding. And because of that one detail about a glove, the whole case falls apart interestingly you'll probably just go yeah obviously as most people listening probably will whilst doing this research was the first time i realized the phrase treating things with kid gloves does not mean child gloves it means fancy gloves made out of kid skin as in goat so you're being really delicate because they're really fancy gloves i didn't do you know i never even heard that phrase before oh do you not yeah no yeah, was, whilst I was reading this, it's like, kid gloves, oh, of course, like goat skin. Yeah. Because yeah, they used a lot, wasn't uh, they? used for, like for, for breeches in the 1700s yeah, as a yeah. the fancy, you know, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, treating it with kid gloves. Fancy gloves, not children's gloves. Not like mittens. <laughs> really hard to pick up a bottle of whiskey <laughs> with that, wasn't it? So I'm sure many people are listening to this going, yeah, obviously. But it's the yeah. first time I'd thought about it. Of course. So, he's doing all right as a lawyer. He's yeah. raking in the money. Everything's looking good once more. He's gone through the horrors of war, but everything's good again. Yeah. His name is now high up in the Republican Party, certainly at a state level. Uh, so he decides for a second time to run for governor. He he doesn't win. He's not doing well at that, <laughs> is he? <laughs> no, uh, the campaign was a tough one. Uh, the Democrats made a big deal about Harrison loving kid gloves, you know, from the trial. And yes. Kid Glove's aristocracy, and yeah, he's just a member of the elite. That's all he is. Oh, uh, nothing changes. Yeah, really doesn't. And the trouble is you get people like the rich, influential people saying, oh, don't trust the elite. Oh yeah, yeah. goodness sake. Sorry, rant. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, he loses. But he had impressed many in the party, and he was approached by a man, or or by many, and asked to go campaigning for Hayes. Hayes what happened to be the next Republican nominee. Or Hayes. Hayes. Oh splendid, thought Harrison. Lovely. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, he's won, obviously, because he wouldn't vote for him. And uh, Harrison's name was noted throughout the party. Harrison's all right at this campaigning. He he's, gives yeah. good speech, does Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. Nationally, in the party, people are noticing him. Back home in Indiana, the rail strikes start up. These aren't the same ones that I mentioned last time in the Cleveland's episode. This say. is uh, earlier on in time. Yeah. But essentially, it's the same story. Uh, the same very depressing story of people trying to make a living and just being squashed by powerful businessmen. So is this, with Hayes, this is almost the beginning of the the Gilded Age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're we're hitting that area, definitely. Anyway, Harrison and many other prominent members of Indiana society set up an ad hoc military company uh, just to make sure that the strikers didn't, you know, become too disruptive. Like, militia style. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's, let's squash these strikers. In fact, the state set up a committee of arbitration. How fair was that? Oh, well, wonderfully, wonderfully. Yeah. Uh, it settled some disputes. You um, can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Harrison served on this committee. In one meeting, Harrison accused the strikers of, I quote here, putting their hands on the throats of commerce and destroying property by stopping the movement of freight. See, I would argue, I mean, cause you could really
0: judge Harrison for that view. Yeah. But it's also not an unfair view to have.
1: But to have that view, you also have to not have an understanding of their point of yeah. view as well. There, there is there is shielded. nothing There's nothing factually incorrect no. about what Harrison said. They are putting their hands on the throats of commerce and they are destroying yeah. property by stopping the movement of freight. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yes. <laughs> they're doing that because they are trying to highlight the fact yeah. that they are being exploited. Do you think Harrison's shielded or he's just... Coldly, don't care. I've been through... I've seen enough. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's, uh, rich. And arguably, and maybe I'm being slightly unfair here, but possibly the worst kind of rich person. Oh, no. In the sense that... He genuinely thinks he was really poor to begin with, and he's worked his way up from nothing. The fact that his granddad was literally the president of the United States, that has nothing to do with him succeeding no. in life. Hard work, that's what got him there. Do you remember his plan? He was going to work hard and succeed. and yeah. He worked hard and he succeeded. The American uh, dream. Exactly. Nothing to do yeah. with all the favours he was able to pull. Uh, so he probably struggles to understand that other people just weren't succeeding. But maybe I'm being unfair there, because I'm... I've got no actual evidence for that, no that's the feeling I get. No, it's not unfair judgment I don't think. So yeah, as you can imagine, this doesn't go down well with the strikers. No, no No. Way. But uh, as we've seen the government, state and national plus these personal militias of the rich in the area striking, led to strikes being Put down. Harrison's firm stance against the strikers won him renown in some areas of society. Mm-hmm. The rich and powerful areas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not with the common man and woman. No. They were less impressed. But if you want to make it in the world as a politician, do you want the common man on your side or the rich and powerful? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's around this time that John Scott dies. Hmm. Uh, Benjamin Harrison travelled to his father's funeral and met up with his family. The day of the funeral arrived and the family stood around the grave together as their father was lowered. Uh, It was Ben's brother who noticed something a bit odd about the grave nearby because the family had a friend who died literally days earlier. It was a sad time for the family and uh, this grave was right next to where where their father was being buried? Yeah, and it was noticed that the uh, the ground looked freshly dug. I mean, it was only a couple of days old, but this was like really freshly dug. Oh, that's a bit odd. And in fact, there'd been rumors. In fact, there'd been a bit of a problem with the old resurrection men recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Just for our listeners, what's a resurrection, man? It's grave robbing. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it is. It's the the (laughs) digging off of corpses and selling them to the medical profession. Because as we have seen, the medical profession's going for a bit of a revolution at this time. Mm, Genuinely, thanks to this, though. (laughs) It's awful, is it? Yeah, there there was... Perhaps it is. Oh, oh, it's, it's not good. Not good for the family. No, but um, they certainly uh, made progress. <laughs> mm. A lot of advancement was made because um, they had some bodies to experiment on. The fresher the better. Yeah, so anyway, the uh, Harrisons decide they're taking no chances. So they stop the funeral. Some very heavy <laughs> stones are found and some concrete. Wow. An image of a van sort of beeping its way <laughs> in reverse. <laughs> beep, 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 Attention, this vehicle is reverse. Birthing. Really hard to get the horses to go backwards, but they managed yeah, no. it. <laughs> yeah. So they, they literally put these massive stones and then pour cement over the casket. Uh, and then that's lowered down, and they put the earth on, and they have their funeral. Good and safe. However, the next day, Ben's brother, who's also called John, John and three policemen go to investigate the, the grave, what's actually happened here. They dig it up, and sure enough, the body had been taken. Sir, there's some muddy footprints leading from the graveside. <laughs> Yeah. Follow them. Well, John and the policeman then do the very sensible thing, which is just head to the medical college. It's like, well, I mean, where's the body gonna be? It's going to be <laughs> yeah. at the medical college. <laughs> so, off they go. However, the medical college have become used to these searches. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um so a search was off the premises took place. But they came up empty. Uh, there was nothing there. What um, lot of jars though. (laughs) Yeah, well, I say empty, and there were things there, just not their friend. There were, apparently, a six-month-old baby, they found, the torso and head of a woman, um, and a box of assorted body parts. Oh, that's not a good Christmas gift. (laughs) No, but nothing illegal, and not their friend, so apparently they had the receipts for the (laughs) torso or something. (laughs) Yeah assorted body parts assorted body parts that's you see you, my, uh, my immediate thought is feet and hands but there are lots of bits of the body that could there be are... in there a kneecap intestine yeah who knows oh so the flashback at the beginning was them let's hide the body ah you're getting somewhere <laughs> right uh then they head upstairs. They give up on their search. They're just going to do some interviews uh, with the medical students and professors there. But when they go upstairs, they notice this tight rope that disappears into a hole into the floor. Well, what's that, they ask. And it was explained, oh, we, we winched the bodies upstairs to be looked at um, just by pulling them up this shaft rather than carrying them up the stairs. It just makes sense. Oh, okay, they say. Is there anything in it now? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The rope is pulled up, and sure enough, there's the body of a man hanging upside down, just on this rope. Uh, John dismissed it. That's, this is clearly the body of an old man. This is not my friend. So, okay. It's all bloated and red-looking. He didn't yeah. look anything like that. I mean, it's a it's a body, but I mean, there are supposed to be bodies here. Yeah. Uh, it, it's grim, but it's meant to be grim here. Yeah. So, okay. Well, it's not my friend. So let's move on. But at that point, one of the policemen lifted the cloth that hung over the man's face, just out of curiosity, and apparently John went white. Because he was now staring into the hanging face of his own father. Oh my. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That was a great setup, Rob, by the way. That was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. not expecting that. No. So at the beginning, it was actually John Scott who was being dragged off the wagon. Oh. Yeah. So going to be his friend. Oh, no. that's bad. No, oh, it's it's Nicely not... done. Well, uh, meanwhile, at the graveyard, I mean, the Harrison family are off to pay their respects, and... uh oh dear, apparently the stone and the concrete didn't work, so they rushed to try and find John and say, our father's been stolen, at which point John says, yeah, I know, I found him. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, it's been 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the grave robbers apparently just watched the whole thing with the stone and the concrete and just went, well, they missed the fact that you can just, like, open a coffin from the end instead of from the top, so they just pulled the end off and pulled the body out. Dig around it. Yeah, yeah, so... Grave yeah. Robbers were actually at the funeral with their spades. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a magic trick, the body was never in there. Oh, Clever. Yeah, anyway, as you can imagine, the Harrisons are not best pleased. Uh, a furious Harrison family filed civil lawsuits against the medical school, but actually the records of the case were destroyed in a fire about a decade afterwards. So we don't actually have the details of the case. But as you can imagine, the Harrison family, a powerful family. Mm-hmm. They probably regretted stealing John Scott. Anyway, putting all this behind him, Harrison decides that it's time to run for governor. Third time's a charm. Nah, he lost. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he failed once more. The Democrats were too popular at this time, so although he was the most popular uh, Republican candidate, the Republicans want him to go for it. Uh, he can't beat the Democrat. Nah. Um, however, because he is now very popular in the Republicans, he was offered a job by none other than President Hayes himself. He was to work on the Mississippi River Commission, working on ways to improve the waterway. So that's nice. So he gets on with that, and then later on in the year, because he is a big name, in the party now. He attends the Republican National Convention. Uh, This is the one, if you remember, uh, this is the angry one that Garfield spoke at and Conkling and Arthur fell out at. Um, Yeah, so we've seen quite a bit of this Mm. convention before. It was one of the more dramatic ones. Harrison's there. Uh, He threw his support behind Garfield, as did many, to keep Mm. out the stalwarts from New York. Also, uh, this is the election where Arthur afterwards drunkenly boasted in public Uh, About buying votes at Dalmonico's, the whole soap thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, these votes that were purchased were bought in the swing state of Indiana. Oh. Yes. That's his... That's Harrison's home state. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to look into it, because nowhere in the books I was reading did anyone even mention this. It was just, a, it just occurred to me. Yeah. It's like, hang on, that's Indiana. That's what Arthur was boasting about. I wonder if Harrison knew about this or was involved. I couldn't find anything to suggest that he was. But uh, there was a lot of corruption going on at that time well, in the Republican yeah. Party in Indiana. So it would be shocking <laughs> if he knew nothing about it. But how involved he was, who knows? <clears throat> Maybe he knew and really disapproved. It, we don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. What we do know is the swing state was won, and everyone was very happy. In return, word was sent to Harrison from the newly elected president: "Do you want a cabinet job?" This is Garfield. He's just become yeah, president. Okay. He's, he's. Do you want a cabinet job? I'm planning to stick around for a good eight years at least. Um, uh, so. Yes, please. Yeah, could work for me. Uh, Harrison thought about it, decided. Um, Actually, could I be in the Senate instead? Because... You've got to get voted in for that. Well, democracy. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Now, although Harrison was seen by many as the Republican leader in Indiana by this point, he did have a rival in the state. This is a man named Gresham. Uh, Gresham was not happy with his rival's rise. So he attempts to block Harrison getting the seat, uh, but Harrison's got too many friends. And again, because of democracy, Harrison gets the seat. Yay. So he's now in the Senate. In fact, for the next six years, he serves in the Senate. Hmm. Uh, he, he just gets on with his job. He works hard. Um, yeah, Garfield gets shot and dies horribly. Um, Arthur becomes president. Uh, and while all that is going on, he's just sort of chipping away in the Senate. He chaired a couple of committees. He got involved in the tariff debates that were going on because everyone loved a good old tariff debate. At this time. Don't worry, we're not talking about tariffs today, though. Oh, <laughs> they might come into it a bit next time. Oh. <laughs> Warning our listeners in advance. Oh, yes. He stuck to the party line, generally. He caused no waves, mostly. He did cause a bit of a ripple when he voted against, that's right, against, the Chinese Exclusion Act. That's good. Yeah, most senators in both parties agreed with excluding the Chinese at this time. But like President Arthur, Harrison thought that perhaps this bill was a bit too much. It... And he argued that it violated treaties with China. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Well, it's all about treaties rather than you know, people trying to make a life here in you know the US that we did. Yeah, interesting you say that because that distinction comes up later. Is it? Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Quite soon, in fact. Um. Anyway, when the next mm. when the next national convention comes along, Gresham and Harrison were in a bitter internal battle for control over the Indiana Republicans there was some talk of Harrison perhaps becoming what Garfield was last time, a Dark Horse Compromise candidate. However, he didn't have the momentum behind him, uh, especially with Gresham actively working against him within his own state. And after all, most decided it really was Blaine from Maine's turn. (laughs) And sure enough, Blaine from Maine won the nomination and Harrison started campaigning at a national level once more and again doing a good job because he's a good campaigner. But as we've seen, Blaine lost and the first Democrat since the war was elected. However, having made an impact in the swing state of Indiana once more, some were already starting to think of the next election and some were starting to mention Harrison's name. In the meantime, Harrison went back to his daily life. Uh, He was... Fully part of the political machine now, but he decides to step back from the Senate. Yes. And sure enough, it's not long before he starts making his moves to gain the next nomination. Now, Blaine is still the most popular man in the party, but one day he suddenly shocked many by stating that he was not going to run for the presidency again. Many nodded sagely. Ah, A wise thing, a wise thing. Of course, of course, the reluctant leader. Oh, yeah. Oh, we understand. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 really, said Blaine. Everyone around him nodded very wisely once more. They understood, wink, wink. Yes. Of course, we understand. Of course, sir. Yes. Yeah. Blaine just looked a bit annoyed, but still, it's fine. He's not. He's not going to run. Some saw it as an opportunity to advance. This is our chance. There was a man named Sherman. Uh, this is the brother of the General Sherman that uh, Harrison served under during the war. Yeah. Um, So Sherman decided to go for it But more importantly for Harrison Gresham also decided to go for it as well So the battle's on Gresham started by spreading it around That Harrison voted against the anti-Chinese immigrant bill The mad fool (laughs) Uh, Harrison's supporters... Uh, responded by letting it be known. Oh, no, no, no. Harrison didn't vote against it because he likes the Chinese. No. <laughs> no, he's just unhappy with the details of the bill. Don't worry. He's a racist. Yes, he's yeah. like us. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> Me him.
1: Ooh. Yeah. So, whatever was uh, Benjamin's views at the time, it's very much spun. At this point of... No, 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 no. He he would have voted for it if it was a cleaner bill. Yeah. Yeah. However, the favour of the Republicans going into the convention is still very much Blaine, who was getting very frustrated by this point, by all the winks and the nudges every time he told someone not to vote for him. Of course, sir. Of course. We understand. (laughs) No, seriously! (laughs) The first round of voting was easily won by Sherman. He won 229 votes... But that's only half of the amount of votes needed. There were 14 men in the running. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of the votes got spread. Uh, Gresham was in second, and Harrison came in fifth with 80 votes. So, not great. Blaine only got 35. Well, that's good. Yeah. For him. But considering he's not running, I mean, that's not... <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> Spectacular. Yeah. Actually. Now, the reason why he only got 35, even though he was the favourite to win, is because the Blaine men... The Blaine supporters had a plan. These are the half-breeds. They're still knocking around. Uh, They would split their votes evenly across the board, helping out the underdogs where they were needed. Yeah. Generally keeping a deadlock for as long as it took for everyone to go, fine, we'll have Blaine then. Yeah. 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 Uh, Because of this, Harrison saw a boost to his support. Coming in fifth meant that, he was popular enough for the half-breeds to go, okay, let's give him a push, but not too popular that he was going to go over the yeah. line. Yeah, so he he sees a bit of a push. It soon got to the point where he was level with Sherman. They were both wow. getting around 200 votes. Uh, and then the Blaine vote shifted because they didn't want him to get become too popular. So his vote share starts to go down again. Now, it looked like that this would just keep going. Many started to talk about how Blaine is definitely going to win now. I mean... It's obvious that it's soon going to be agreed in the back rooms. You know what? Next time, let's just all vote for Blaine. He's he's the man. But eventually, in a few days into the convention, Blaine finally managed to get through to someone. I'd like to think using, like, a megaphone or something. <laughs> Big blackboard, crude drawing of himself, the word President, and then just a not-equals sign yeah. in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's scratching their chins and their yeah. heads. What does he mean? I just don't...
0: Can't craft this code.
1: I get it. I get it. Big wink. And then they walk out the door. (laughs) No, no, no. Blaine eventually just shouts at people until they understand. Even if you vote for me, even if I win the convention, I will refuse to do this job. I am not doing it. And I imagine everyone just laughed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Blaine, eh? Hey. But, but they, if you last die away. Yeah, they, they all froze in confusion as they saw Blaine's stony face. <laughs> yeah. I just don't... I'm not getting it. He's, he's a very good actor, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, though, the half get the message. And they realise they need to actually vote for someone else. And many saw uh, this popular man who lived in one of the two most important swing states... Uh this man named Harrison, he's a good choice, actually. Mm. Yeah, you know what, we could deal with him. So a couple of rounds later, Harrison gets the nomination. And so the campaign for the election begins. Now, as I've said before, in this day and age, uh, it was common for people to write biographies of potential presidents so the electorate could get to know who they're voting for. Yeah. Well, who would you want to write your biography? Not necessarily a person, but what kind of person? What profession? A uh, lawyer? Not a lawyer, no. No. Uh, oh, a priest. Not a priest, no. Oh, the Pope. Not the Pope, that would be interesting. An author. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does make sense, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, when you, when you say it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Charles Dickens. Not Charles Dickens. No. A, oh, oh, um, <laughs> that Amer- really American guy. <laughs> This is what Harrison said. Get me, get me that really American wrote, guy. on the road, Tom Sawyer? No, no, then I don't know. You're getting close, Stephen there. King. There is a very, very, very famous book written roughly this time, maybe about a decade I, earlier. I don't know my American history very well. You know this story, trust me, because it was then made into a very famous film. Lord of the Rings. That lasts a very long time in the 1960s. We have seen the film. We've seen the remake recently that was awful. It oh. links to our other podcast. Oh, um, um, the, 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 the chariot racing one. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Yeah, the author of Ben Hur. Really? Yeah, that's who they were going to get. Oh, that was, book must have been epic. Everyone was loving a bit of Ben Hur at the time. Yeah. So it's like, get, get me the guy who wrote Ben Hur. Actually, he happened to be a friend. Um, I've got a picture of him. His name is Lou Wallace. <laughs> no, it's William Wallace's brother. <laughs> it literally just occurred to me. It's like, hang on,
0: Wallace. <laughs>
1: Clearly a relative of William Wallace.
0: hey, I've got a book for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, if you pay it's... Pay me and whiskey. <laughs> I didn't even think to do any research. I have no idea if is related to William Wallace, uh, who we've been talking about earlier, but I, he definitely was. Because, oh, he definitely was. I mean, they're both friends with Harrison. Uh, they both come from the same place. They're both Scottish? Uh, <laughs> what I do know about him is that he served under Zachary Taylor.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah,
1: he like did. yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'm guessing he was... Uh, embarrassed when he got confused when talking to a washerwoman one day. <laughs> so, right yeah. Right
0: there. I hate this Zack Tyler guy.
1: <laughs> of course, he'd be Scottish as well, wouldn't he? Aye. Yeah, yeah of course he would. Yeah, so he's anyway. Scottish. So he's got Lou Wallace to write his biography for him. Do you want to see a picture of Lou Wallace? Yes, please. Because this is amazing. This is the guy who wrote Ben Hur. <gasps> oh my, he looks so American. Look at that. That is... It's a weird beard. It's, it's almost it's it's like... It's a natural. I put this on Twitter and someone commented that it looks like the beard has been caught trying to escape from his face. Yes. It's like <laughs> he's trying to run off. Yeah. It's like he caught it mid-flow. <laughs> yes. From his cheeks. Oh. That is weird. It's basically like a goat. It's like a, a giant goatee. Oh, yeah, if you're listening, just look up Lou Wallace, the author of Ben-Hur. It's an amazing photo. That is phenomenal. Anyway, so uh, Benjamin Harrison's biography was written, which is why many people to this day believe that he did win a chariot race one day. <laughs> and uh, had an epic life. <laughs> he was a slave and yeah. oh, he went hoodie. There was a bit on the sea. And his, his best friend, his best friend, oh, The Feud. The Feud. Oh, The Feud. In fact, why didn't we just do Ben-Hur this episode? But they were confused whether they made friends at the end or he killed him at the end. No, he killed him. He definitely killed him. Well, it depends on which version you look at. No one's looking at the new version. <laughs> it was awful. Good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the campaign starts. Uh, nothing happens that is as interesting as the Ben-Hur author writing his biography. Uh, he mainly stayed at home, or at least nearby, of his campaign for him. That's not to say he didn't do much. He was busy, but yeah. he didn't go out of uh, Indiana. Um, meanwhile, life at home was getting very busy because uh, Harrison's daughter was all grown up by this point and had given birth to her second child. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, well, he's a granddaddy! Yeah, yeah, he's a granddaddy. Oh, um, pops. In order to help about in the house, because... There's a lot of people living at the Harrisons. Carrie invited one of her nieces to come and stay with them. The niece was about the same age as Carrie and Ben's daughter, 30 years old. And she had no children and she was a widow. Her husband had died only just a couple of months into their marriage. So, this niece, her name was Mary, but nicknamed Mamie or Mame. I've only seen it written down. I'm guessing Mamie. Mame sounds like an awful nickname. (laughs) So, I'm going to say Mamie. Um, Anyway, soon Mamie was at the Harrison's house, happily helping out with the newborn child and just generally making things better in the household. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was happy for the extra pair of hands. (laughs) <laughs> it turns out, Uncle Ben. Really? Yeah, who was oh. known as Uncle Ben to Mamie. Yeah. In fact, he soon discovered, did Uncle Ben, that nothing soothed him after a long day of campaigning as much as having a good long walk with, oh, I don't know, maybe um, maybe the new young lady in the household. Yeah. Ah, Mamie, do you, uh, do you have an interest in uh, astronomy? <laughs> Yeah, and then after a walk, uh, I don't know, may- maybe a head massage or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not long after this, Mamie got an invite to travel around Europe with one of their other relatives. A great opportunity. Most people would jump at the chance. Mm. Um, for some reason, Auntie Carrie was very eager for her to go. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Weird. But Uncle Benjamin was also equally determined that she should not go. She's such a... Great astronomy student. Her stargazing skills
0: are amazing. amazing.
1: Well, it was during this undoubtedly tense time at the Harrison household that uh, the election happened. Uh, Harrison had lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just much like his governorship runs. Uh, 100,000 fewer people had voted for him. Yeah. Yeah. a big chunk. However, thankfully for Harrison, the United States still hadn't got round to getting rid of their by now antiquated electoral college system. Uh, this was back in the days when they still had the electoral college system that just doesn't work. Yeah, um, I mean, what, what I'm, an archaic ridiculous... I don't know system. when they get rid of it. I assume they get rid of it. They must have got rid of it Why? at it, some point. We're, we're you'd probably you'd com- have to, wouldn't you? we probably get to the point where they get yeah, rid of it. I'm sure we'll. Yeah. And how we'll laugh, go thank goodness. It'll be about the same time as uh, Britain reforms there. System. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that happened. Yes. That definitely happened. Yeah. Uh, anyway, because of the electoral college system, Harrison had managed to win Indiana and New York, the two major swing states. So he wins. Uh, 233 votes to 168. So there you go. He's now president. Oh. 23rd president of okay. the United States. So there we go. That's where we're going to leave it with Harrison today. Interesting. So when you suggest he who's a boring character, I don't... Well, he might be a boring person. I don't, I don't know. I, I think a lot happens in his life. He doesn't come across as the most interesting man. But when he's eating forbidden cucumbers, he's got a psychotic Scotsman following him around, murdering Englishmen, and people are stealing his dead dad. Oh, it when he's, suddenly and, becomes more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't forget his niece at the end as well. Oh, he's, he does. <sighs> his niece? I wonder... I wonder where that goes. With an awkward pregnancy and... <laughs> we'll find out next time. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Before we before we end, though, just need to address something that uh, a few people got in contact uh, with us about. Is it another prin- pronunciation thing? <laughs> no, amazing. Thing. Oh, yeah. We get a lot of... <laughs> I, I think they just expect it by this point. <laughs> yeah. They're British, what do they know? Cleveland. Oh, did we add up wrong again? No, we didn't add up wrong. Oh, that's right. But remember we um deducted one of his points because he lost an election so one of his bonus points got deducted and we had a huge debate which i cut most of it because it took us ages to decide <laughs> right yeah several people uh, contacted us to point out that several other presidents have lost elections before um of course if you're a one-term president you probably lose an election so it's like, if we're doing that, we need to go back and change the scores of a few people. And it's like, that's a good point, actually. So Cleveland gets his points back. So he's gone from 21 to 22. Yeah. All right. So he's still not great, okay. but
0: yeah. Are these people not... Listen to us before from our Roman podcast. I'm, I'm trying
1: to keep it like I notice the inconsistencies. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep some vague consistency oh, right, okay. in this podcast. Give the impression of consistency. Okay. Yeah, I think because we're only on like 23 and we're only yeah. doing 44 in total. So what what? In, in the Roman one? We're on yeah. 131. No, Who true. cares by that <laughs> So what was the argument? I can't. Well, obviously. Well, because walks. he I, was, I genuinely can't remember. Because that Cleveland wasn't um, president for two terms consecutively, because he had his break, oh. which is Harrison's presidency. It goes Cleveland, Harrison, Cleveland. Oh. So we say because Cleveland lost this election that we've just talked about, he needs a point deducted. But actually, it doesn't pan out if you look into it. We'd have to take points off other presidents. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? That's fine. Cleveland can have his point. Yeah, okay. We can. Worlds in Cleveland, you know, have 22. Yeah. Right, okay. So that is Benjamin Harrison. That's nice. Or at least the first part of Benjamin Harrison. Next time we get to see what his presidency is like. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us
0: on Facebook and Twitter and downloads from Poppy and iTunes. Oh! And all right, listeners, are you ready for this? <laughs> Rob's just remembered, and so have I. So I'm, now, Rob, right now, I'll, I'll be singing it on my own. Yeah. Remember, you're going to
1: have. At least thousands of listeners <laughs> singing with me in their cars. So, so if they're listening to this now, they need to join in singing. They have it to doesn't sing matter along. where they are. No, if they don't sing along, they're not
0: even people that interest in history. They're not even people. I
1: think. <laughs> <laughs> so I if think. you're on the bus right now, you know what? I, I'd be saying this is ridiculous, but I really like the idea of people having to sing Happy Birthday yeah. <laughs> in public. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. if they listen to me like July. <laughs> oh, yeah. Three yeah. years time. Doesn't matter when. No, this is you, fine. Yeah. Right,
0: listen, after three. One, two, three. Ha oh, hang on. We'll go with Rob rather than Robert. Let's go Rob. We'll do that. Because that's <laughs> how we know it. Okay. After three. One. Don't laugh. I'm, after I'm three. it's laughter of one. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Are we am actually doing the whole thing. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to Rob. I'm loving the eye contact. Happy birthday
1: to you. Woo! Woo, clap. You have to clap as well. Woo! 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 Thank you, Jamie, and thank you, listener, because I know you sang along. (laughs) (coughs) So this is to you personally. There are lots of you right now going, I didn't. And I'm not talking to you, but there is at least one of you who (laughs) did. And you know who you are. So thank you. (laughs) And you've earned yourself a total ranking point. Oh, yes. Right. On that note, we can't top anything. So we're going to go now. (laughs) Yeah. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) obviously then um i think no i know i'm sorry i know that it's paragraph four, subsection three ends with the sales of all jellies being forbidden within four feet of the parked horse aye well done to you i've have i done it have i passed the bar aye you're now a lawyer
0: that's it i'm done no one more question to you what william watts i am william wallace Yes, I know, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defence of tyranny.
1: Um, I, I it, it's just me, William.
0: You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are.
1: I, I, yes, I am free. Wait, is there a question in this? What will you do without freedom? Oh. oh, no, I, I know this one. This comes from the clause of the statute written in... Will you fight? What? Will I, will I fight? Fight? Aye, and you may die. I, I'm sorry, I'm... what? Run, and you'll
0: live, at least a while. And dying in your beds, many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom I'm sorry was that a question to be honest I'm not sure I'm a wee bit drunk but I got one other question for you
1: okay are you English Uh, English no obviously not I'm I'm American can you not not tell by my accent. Are you sound English. Oh, I-, I meant to say No I'm not A this lawyer. Um and their friend had been buried right next to where their father was being put down put down. Where their father was being <laughs> 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 It's a kindness <laughs> <laughs> He voted "No, nothing, no <laughs>
0: <laughs>